All right, well, welcome to the front porch. I'm Leslie Cordy, your host. And today we have with us Dr. Simone Kansai-Sung uh, from um, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, where she is a professor and chair of the Department of Administrative Leadership. Um, Simone has been involved in many different things. Um, she earned her doctorate in adult education from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and has a master's degree in adult and continuing education from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. She's got a wide range of experience in terms of uh, distance education, using technology, instructional design, and that's where her research interests lie in distance education, the impact of technology, even staff development and training. I'm lucky to know Simone from uh, many different things, but she's an author of several different books. She's gonna talk to us probably about one or two of them a little bit today. Uh, one is Managing Online Instructor Workload, which is sort of the, the, our topic for today. And she's also um, uh, a member or been inducted at, into the International Adult and Continuing Hall of Fame back in just a couple years ago. So welcome Simone. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you for having me here. Very good. So I think our topic, we'll start, dive right into it in terms of uh, your, your topic of faculty workload, both in the online and face-to-face -face environment. And so talk about how uh, you think uh, your workload or others' workload has changed in terms of this unprecedented time. Well, definitely, because now we are all working from home. And uh, so we, we miss that time that we would either walk to work or drive to work. So now we sort of mixed up work and personal life because we are at home. Yeah. So that's, that's an issue. But uh, there are strategies we can use to balance that workload or, or differentiate between personal life and work life. Oh, in order to achieve um, balance, to yeah. achieve a balance. So mm -hmm. what kinds of things have you done? Um, because I've had difficulty separating my personal from my work life at home, Simone. So I try to continue doing things during the same times I have done before. For okay. example, I'll get up early in the morning or my cat wakes me up <laughs> and then I will exercise. Uh, I'll, of course, I have to feed the cat first and then I will exercise and then, um, then I will get ready and I will even dress up like I'm going to work. I will oh. put, you know, clothes that I would wear to work even though my work is maybe just a half up you know from my yeah. waist up because if I'm doing video conferencing I don't need to be all dressed up you know for the entire you know maybe my shoes I might wear is sleepers but nobody will see that um, so I do put my makeup on and I try to keep up the same hours so I will maybe I will start a little earlier now because I don't have the time that I would take to go to work, okay. you know, and then, then sometimes I really have to control myself not to continue working during the rest of the day until evening. I have ah. to, to have a stop time. But one of the things that happened in the beginning is that I was using my, 
my work environment at home, right in the middle of the house, the epicenter of the house, where it was in my dining room that was open. I could see the living room, the, the kitchen, the dining room. It was an open environment. So it felt like work was there all the time, 24 okay. seven. So I had to make a couple of changes. I decided to move my office to another bedroom, which was my office anyway, it was an office space. And then I can separate between my personal life and work life, at least with the physical environment. And then there is a time that, okay, that's enough. Now let's close that door and go to another room of the house. So it's one way of, you know, separating your personal and work environment. But it doesn't mean that you are doing everything you should be doing because your mind might still be, you know, connected to work. So it's a, a really hard thing to do when you teach online and when you're working at home. So you have to make an effort to get out, go for a walk, you know, with all the limitations we have right now and social distancing, right. maybe call friends, talk to friends. I have done some virtual uh, happy hours. Uh, even though it's uh, use, using the computer, but it's, it's still separate from work. Right. Um, the, the other thing is that I will have social distancing with my neighbors. I just got pictures from a neighbor, right. uh, you know, that we were between my porch and they were outside. <laughs> we were in the same building, but separated by six feet or more. Right. So you, you have to be creative. So that's one way of doing that. But the other way is your mental ability to separate everything, not to be connected all the time. Maybe right. not answer emails, not answer chats in your Microsoft Teams, or, you know, just consciously make that separation, including weekends. Because when you, when you're a professor and you teach online, you want to meet the needs of your learners. And they're, they have different schedules. So that's another issue. So you have to let them know that you are available from Monday through mm -hmm. Friday uh, from in your schedule, right. your schedule, and that you are going to return your emails within 24 to 48 hours, something Very like good. that. Mm -hmm. Wow, those you've given us quite a few strategies, really, um, not only uh, about workload, right? but also mental health issues, right? Exercising, making sure you're connecting with other people and turning off work when you can. So those are, are very helpful. And I know the one that I found, Simone, that you really mentioned is, I think I was dressing down and I had to start dressing up because it really made me feel like I was at work again. So I, I think that's a very important strategy. So, yeah, one thing that I've heard from doing conducting research about faculty workload is wow. that I remember one faculty member telling me they told our their stories you know one said you cannot allow that you know your time manage you you have to manage your time that was always stays in my mind that you have to control your time don't let the time control you because otherwise you're going to be always working always you know and you cannot disconnect so there are ways you can allow um, for, you know, allocating time to doing work. So, for example, I'm going to give you another strategy is that yeah. some of, our, of, our, uh, of the participants in our study said that they would schedule time on their calendar to do online teaching. 
okay. or to do administrative work. And when they were at work, sometimes they would put a sign outside their uh, office and say, I'm teaching now. <laughs> oh. Like, please do not disturb me. Not right. saying that, but saying I'm teaching online right now. So people would not bother them. I even thought about doing that here in my house. Why? Right. Please, because I've had a couple of times that people would knock on my door and I'm in the middle of a meeting. And I'm actually thinking about putting a sign saying I'm uh, in a video conferencing call right now. I'll be oh, I like that. You. Right. You know. yeah. yeah. I used to put a sign on my door, but I never did it when I was online teaching. That's a great idea. Yeah, I thought Well, that I know you've good. written that book, right, about managing your online workload. You're referring to some of the, the, the study that you did. And I think that was one of your strategies about time. What were some of the other strategies and examples you'd like to share with us? So um, the, the other strategies about time was you, you also want to be flexible, okay? Because let's say you are teaching and something personal happened in your life. So you've got to be flexible. You cannot just be just focusing on what you have to do. Right. You know, you might have a, a, a family member who is ill now with COVID. Um, you know, you've got to separate time and be very true and let your students know that you are going to be unavailable. So allow yourself time to um, deal with personal things. Okay. Um, but definitely scheduling time, you know, the other strategies that you can use, not only in terms of allocating time, but how you design your course, okay? okay. So it's a big picture thing because when you, you are teaching online, your course might be, you know, self-paced or it might be very interactive. So, and if you are teaching more than one course at a time, you want to predict, you want to plan your courses so you're not doing too much work on one week for both courses or three oh. courses if you're teaching three courses. So you want to plan ahead of time. You also want to plan you know, if you have a lot of students who are new to online teaching, you know you're going to have a lot of work initially until they get used to the, the class and the new format of learning. Yeah. And usually they become very independent towards the end of the course. But yeah. you can predict their needs. If you have a lot of new people, you could do a really good uh, orientation during the first mm -hmm. week of the course that will predict their needs. You can start with asking them questions about their experience learning online, mm -hmm. their experience with the topic of the course, their skills with technology, and, and then you create resources. Mm -hmm. One thing that I do often, and they have become very, very popular in my classes, are virtual office hours with a purpose. Right. I will tell the students next week, the, the, the virtual office hours will focus on such and such. We'll okay. fo focus on the team project or okay. a specific topic. And I'll either provide a demonstration of a skill of, uh, or, or an activity, or I will have an open discussion with students. Okay. My classes now, I have half of the class coming to the virtual office hours. Really? They have become very popular but it's because there is a purpose. They are not just going to come in to talk to me. Right. I have a purpose, and, but it's open. Sometimes I'll record, if I'm doing a, a demonstration or explaining something new, I will sure. record the session and share with students, but 
If not, then I would just have an open conversation. I have learned a lot about my students during virtual office hours. They, they have also um, become less anxious about the assignments and the activities in the course. So that's a great strategy that I have been using for quite a while. And students tell me, don't ever stop doing the virtual office hours. <laughs> they are very, very important for their learning, their mental health, and their ability to feel present in oh, the course with the instructor why? and other students. So it's um, really teaching online requires um, organization, task management, prioritization to be effective and, and to balance the workload during the semester. Mm -hmm. um, another strategy is to look for help. So you might want to look for help either one-on-one -on -one with somebody in your school that might be an instructional designer or educational technologies, or go to the teaching and learning uh, center in your school. They might give you strategies, you might take a course, you might do a, a workshop related to teaching online. And, and definitely, um, you know, you can look for resources outside the university. I mean, there are oh. lots of, um, you know, open educational resources that you can incorporate into your course that you don't have to do the lecture all the time. You could bring a guest speaker from the web, from Khan Academy, wow. or, you know, their YouTube. I mean, you, we can find lots of things that, um, that will help out. Like this podcast. This podcast <laughs> could be used for... That's exactly uh, right. I have an expert. <laughs> One <laughs> of <know>. the books. <laughs> exactly. So you, you learn from other speakers um, or through mm -hmm. interviews and so-and-so. Yeah, so there are different ways of um, balancing the workload through the use of different strategies. And like I mentioned, you could do support strategies, you can do design strategies, time allocation strategies, will all help out in, in the end. But it's how you, you manage that. So for example, if you have a class that you have a lot of students who never took an online class, Mm -hmm. you're gonna you're gonna have a, a higher workload in the beginning but maybe a lower workload at the end with wow. providing support but if you have a class that's self-paced that students will do their work on their own but you will offer virtual office hours you can pretty much schedule the feedback on the activities the type of activities you are providing to them and the feedback you give to them it's more predictable but if you have a class that's very interactive in which students um, have a lot of discussions, you have, to, you have 30 students, you're gonna read all the discussions, that can be very heavy. So you might wanna think about balancing the type of activities you do. Sometimes what I, I, I do in courses, and it's also to manage the workload of students, is that I might have the first week in which they have to do the readings. And then at the end of the week, they might have to do a summary or they have to do a concept map summarizing the readings. Okay. The next week, they will do a discussion with other students about that same topic. So you, oh. you build on different activities that have high intensity and low intensity or a different kind of intensity. Okay. And then you, at the end of the two weeks, you, you as the instructor will provide feedback. If you have two courses, you want to maybe invert the strategies in the courses so you don't have too much of a workload to right. provide feedback in one week um, for 
two courses or three courses. So you have to really think about how this is going to balance your students' workload in your own. Right. Wow. So I have not had very much success with my virtual office hours. So I think that I mean, you've said a lot of things here that are really good tips and tricks, but I think, you know, I do want to connect with my students. You said we want to connect with our students. We want to be present. You use that word present, right? Mm -hmm. And and you, you're an expert in terms of online presence. So I like the idea of having it, you said, with a purpose, the virtual hours with a purpose um, so that the students know yeah, this is what I'm going to talk about for sure. So that'll be covered, but then you're flexible in terms of opening it up. And it really has improved your relationship with the students, right? Because they've really become engaged. They, they're requesting them from you. Yes, definitely. So the other thing with online teaching is that you cannot just do your online teaching when the semester starts or prepare like the day of the, the first day of the semester. Okay. You have to do a lot of pre-planning. Mm -hmm. So in reality, if you think about that, you could do a lot of the pre-planning before this, the, the course starts, leave everything available, but not open yet for the students. And you start okay. opening as the course, you know, goes. Right. But um, so there is a lot of planning. If you're gonna do a, a, a lecture, a short lecture, don't do big lectures, because long right. lectures, because they won't listen to it. No. <laughs> it has to be short and important and relevant. You know, faculty, if they take one thing from this that they learn, that long lectures, right? Yes, okay. no long lectures. No more than 10 minutes. 10 minutes is already long, you know. Um, you know, and so with, with that, you can prepare all of that ahead of time. So you have this design, you know, when you're teaching your course, when you're designing your course, so you have the pre-course work, administrative work, you do all your design, you prepare everything, you create the modules, the activities, the assignments and everything. And then during the course, then your role changes. It, you have a, an administrative role because you are, you know, sending out communication and managing the website for the course. You also have a facilitative role where you might be facilitating a discussion or facilitating an assignment, answering questions. And you also have an evaluative role where you are providing formative assessment on assignments or providing feedback. And, and that runs throughout the course. And then when you get at the, to the end of the course, you do a lot of the evaluative uh, role you play that because you you're giving feedback on the assignments but you you have different roles your role is not the you know the sage on this on the stage anymore you might do a little bit of that if you do a lecture but you don't know if they are listening to you or they are watching you when you are in a face-to-face -face classroom you see the students there but you also don't know if they are really paying attention to that's you that's right you know that's right but online if they really listen to your, um, you know, presentation or you, whatever you provided in the text of the website, they will engage with that through the discussion, through the assignments. Mm -hmm. So in reality, students might be much more present online than face-to-face. -face. Yeah. If you look at those, depending on the assignment that you have. So mm -hmm. it's very important how you plan before the, the course starts, during your role during and at the end. And then at the end. Mm -hmm. I also like that you said that you're giving the students time to 
reflect and scaffold and build on those assignments, Simone, I, I guess I've given them time for discussions, but I didn't think about like putting a reflective piece before the discussion so it would prepare them. Yes. How did, so, how yeah. did you come up with that concept? So I, I, <laughs> That's I, something I, totally new to me. Yeah, I believe in constructing knowledge as you go yeah. and reflection allows for that. You know, um, yes. it, it allows for your mind to think about the topic, to reflect about it, and then, you know, interact with that in a different way. In reality, when students are reading, they are interacting with the content. Right. That's one point. You're right, it's a sca scaffolding. Then they have to do a concept map, and a concept map really shows the, how they make meaning of that content that they read through a graphical representation. Okay. And now they have, that was the second point, and then they have a third one that they will, um, interact with other students through questions or through doing a project. They might be doing a team project, so, but with a discussion. So yeah. it is very important. And in some courses, like in my self-paced courses, I tend to have them to do one or two assignments, but right. they have to do a short reflection about what they learned in that module, in a specific right. module. So okay. I use a lot of reflections in, in my courses. So another way that I use a reflection is that, um, and that they have to connect their reflection to the readings and their experience in the course is when they do a team project. So they did a team project throughout the semester and it, it happens in phases, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and they have to provide updates or specific yes. assignments related to the team project. At the end, I ask them to reflect on their experience in learning new skills or the experience of working with a team. Mm -hmm. So again, it's all reflective and it's for themselves. Mm -hmm. I also know how they, how they did, um, you know, in terms of the assignment and their learning. I always, I always feel like the reflective part of my courses are very productive from both sides. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, um, I, I, I want to keep talking for a couple more minutes here, even though we're, we're, we're getting short on time. Um, I have a whole mess of questions in my mind because that's very good information. I know because you're an expert, Simone, and you've written this book and you've written a couple other books, right? And, and you're an expert in, in our world and continuing education too. Um, you've, been, you've been approached, you know, be, during this epidemic because of your um, experiences, your research background and things like that and being an author. What have, it, have you been consulting on? that um, um i've had i've been asked to to provide uh, training on how to use synchronous technologies okay. um so in in part during the training i model how people can use and then i will share uh, different strategies and resources that people can use in the future okay. have also done um a couple of workshops to uh, provided workshops to faculty in which we have used design thinking for them to think about, um, you know, either if they were, they had, they never taught online or if they taught online before um, to think about what were the, what did their students tell them about their courses and what design challenges they had. And through design thinking, 
we go through a process that helps them envision um, or revise their course, uh, envision a new course or revise their courses through questions during the, the sessions and through building a prototype of uh, either a new course or uh, converting a course or picking a small part of a course that could be revised. Uh, I have done two of those and I'm working on another one coming up soon, uh, two more, and one of them will be for K-12 teachers. So, um, so it's in this time where people were forced to teach online through right. remote teaching, emergency remote teaching. Right. It's not really online teaching. That was something that people had to do it without right. thinking about what online teaching was about. So now that people have more time, they can think about how they will um, uh, use these skills in the future, right? In terms of teaching and training. Yeah. Well, they're very lucky to, to have you. Um, so what, what, what do you want to leave us with, Simone, in terms of our conversation today? What, what kinds of thoughts would you say either to other teachers or professors or even administrators? Because you've been an administrator and you've worked with all levels of administration. What would you want to leave us with today? So I want to leave one thing for administrators that it's very important to support faculty in this time because teaching online is not the same as teaching face-to-face. -face. Still a lot of people believe that teaching online is not quality teaching and that's wrong. And I mean it would be the same way as if you were thinking that somebody's teaching face-to-face -face and might not be teaching um, quality instruction. Exactly. Um, any, any kind of teaching will require a lot of um, preparation Online teaching requires even more because you're dealing with the technology, you are dealing with people, you are dealing with a, a different environment, a different context. So it's very important to consider the time it will take for an instructor. So the workload of an instructor who is putting a course for the first time online or converting from face-to-face -to, -face to online. And also think about the student first because the student is the one guiding the learning. Here, you, you are doing it for the student. It should be learner-centered. And when you design your, uh, your courses online, you wanna think about the learning experience the students will have. Mm -hmm. Not just your experience as an instructor, you will have that, you're gonna be working together. But um, it's different. So, and I think people need to really understand and experience online learning yeah. and teaching to value it. Um, online teaching is here, it's not gonna go away. Oh. And we don't know when COVID will end and when people will be able to be back on campus. So now it's the time to um, allow yourself to learn this yeah. new environment and think through. I do believe that design thinking gives tools and resources mm -hmm. to help people um, think about what their teaching was before mm -hmm. and what it could be in the future, focusing on the learner. But we mm -hmm. need support. So um, administration needs to be there together to support faculty. Well, I hope they hear that message because I know that I have seen that from other faculty or teachers, right, to be supportive because they want to 
they want to address the student needs. I think we all are in teaching and learning for, to, in most cases, for the right reasons, right? So, well, thank you so much, Dr. Simone Kanseson, right? Um, professor and chair in the uh, Department of Administrative Leadership at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Hall of Fame member, and someone I hope to call my friend. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, appreciate it. All right.